Welcome to this podcast from ESF, in which Elska Vormans interviews Hilary Corrier about his work with Montessori education in Kenya. All right, so uh, Hilary, where in the world did you grow up? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I grew up at a, a place called Kapsabet, um, which is uh, in a place uh, within the Nandi County. Amongst the 47 counties, it's in a place called Nandi County, within the uh, Rift Valley province of Kenya. And uh, if uh, broadly, it's normally considered an, an evergreen area. Uh, plenty of rain, rainfall throughout the year, uh, with uh, plenty of uh, cash crop growing, especially the tea. So you can see it's a very fertile area. And again, probably uh, what I would want to associate the area with is uh, for producing uh, these uh, famed uh, middle and long distance runners. Uh, they come from the locality. So I was privileged to grow in a place where each and every day you are seeing people uh, practicing very early in the morning or late in the evening, and uh, a quite a rainy area that I got used to in my childhood. Uh, so can you describe one of your most precious childhood memories? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, I, I really tried to think about one that was imprinted in my mind. And I remember this one event that we always looked up to every year uh, together with my siblings. Uh, there was this uh, agricultural exhibition or a trade fair that was always held uh, annually within my hometown. And uh, my dad used to work in the county council, so uh, they were one of the, uh, I was amongst the organizers. And I remember as a, a child, we used to get ready. It was around a four-day event, beginning on Wednesday, ending on a Saturday. But the main event days were uh, like, let's say, uh, Thursday, Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So what used to happen, we would wait at home as uh, kids eagerly waiting for a car to come and pick us and take us to this large exhibition or a trade fair that uh, uh, we would go there and visit the various uh, exhibition stands to see the various exhibits that were being displayed that were composed of, uh, you know, a good crop and animal husbandry. So we would see variety of crops that have been grown, people displaying various wares and products, and even uh, quite a number of animals in display, uh, well-bred uh, animals in display, including, you know, cattle, sheep, goats, and all manner of animals. And then, uh, but one key interest that an area that always interested me is to see the wild animals. I always have this, uh, you know, I'm always excited when I visit and see the wildlife. So as a child, I used to like visiting the caged animals to see the lion, the leopard. Uh, uh, and I always looked forward each and every year to, the, to this uh, exhibition. Uh, that was within the stand. And then again, outside of the stand, uh, there was uh, an arena, the main arena where we would have so many uh, entertainment events, uh, choirs, uh, skits, displays. And again, there was one this one interesting uh, display by the Kenya Wildlife Services that was so exciting because they, they would use a rhino carcass where uh, uh, human beings, of course, as kids would just see as a wild animal, but it was a display of a rhino carcass by the Kenya wildlife uh, personnel. 
just uh, displaying the, the the importance of conservation of the rhinoceros species. So as a child, you know, these appeared so real to us. Everybody would look forward to that skit where there's a, 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 a carcass of a rhino that has been preserved with persons inside, uh, running around, uh, chasing some poachers, and then the anti-the um, um, Kenya wildlife, uh, you know, uh, personnel would come and arrest the poachers. So this is still imprinted in my mind, and I always looked forward to such an event on a yearly basis. All right, so from uh, your childhood, did one person inspire you specifically during your childhood? Yeah, I think I would say uh, um, my mom, yes, because, um, you know, she was always, in, I remember when I went out uh, from the nursery school, she was always encouraging and saying, no, you must, you know, go back to school, uh, must work hard, everybody's going to school, uh, you have to be kind to others, treat others as equals. And I think what I can, uh, uh, um, the, the, the motivation or the inspiration that she gave me was, she introduced all of us to uh, church. So as a family, you know, we, be, we were introduced to church and it's always been a prayerful family and that I would equate even up to now where we've, uh, um, I think, have had an opportunity to, to work within the church setup, yeah, as being the Caritas Director of Development in, in Akuru. So I think probably this is a great uh, inspiration from my mom who always encouraged us to go to school. Everybody in the family has gone to school. Uh, everybody at least has, uh, has uh, uh, progressed in terms of education, not only the degree, master's, the PhD level, everybody within the family. So we are grateful for our mom for always encouraging us. Can you please tell us a little bit about the work or the, um, the initiative you're engaged in at the present? Yeah, well, um, I'd say at the current, maybe uh, as an outgoing, let's say, CEO of Montessori for Kenya. Yeah, uh, uh, but for the last, let's say, uh, more than ten years, I was involved in uh, uh, directing development work mm, within uh, first uh, being the Caritas director of the diocese of Nakuru, and tied with coordinating all development projects, uh, being pastoral and community development. And then later on now, um, uh, venturing into Montessori work. Uh, and uh, currently, you know, you know, previous, before my current position, I've been the CEO of Montessori for Kenya, an NGO that obtained its registration sometime in the 2019 uh, with the mandate to promote or advance the, the, the spread of quality Montessori education and infrastructure in Kenya, uh, mm -hmm. uh, just uh, uh, basing on the more than 30 years existence of uh, Montessori work in Kenya. Uh, also, I've uh, been the project manager of the Conovo project, uh, um, both at, uh, let's say, the Conovo pro project schools in Akuru, the pipeline one Kisima, and also linkage to many other uh, schools, such similar projects that have uh, emanated out of the Conovo project in different parts of the country. And what inspired you to, be, to become involved in, in this or in these um, initiatives? Actually, what happened is um, I would trace my my work with this uh, with the post-election violence that happened in the year 2007-2008. Um, uh, by then, uh, I was working as the director of development uh, within Akuru, 
and every other time, you know, every electioneering uh, period, there was always violence. So during this period, the magnitude was such that it was uh, very huge. It led to establishment of internally displaced persons camps. And uh, it happened that Lynn, um, because of the previous work within, of Montessori work within Kenya and Tanzania, Lynn visited the country uh, by the request of uh, the late sister Angela, who was the principal of St. Anne's Montessori Teachers College. And uh, when Lynn visited, uh, sister Angela said that uh, she really felt bad because there were quite a number of children within the IDP camp that were not getting any attention. You know, there were many children out there. So uh, they visited the camp and naturally because of me being the director of development, there was these evolving projects uh, through discussion with the AMI and St. Hans. I was in charge of coordinating projects and I fitted in in terms of discussing the, idea, the ideas of how to help them, how to write the proposal uh, and, and, and forward it. So uh, because of my position, I started engagement. Uh, this project went through. And slowly and slowly, we established the Conovo project, uh, recruited teachers who went uh, for training, uh, enhanced the partnerships with other organizations. And over time, you know, there was this circle of training teachers, the building of the school, the school was growing, children recruited, shifting into grades, uh, leading to other schools coming up, for example, the Kisima. And uh, later on, you know, the establishment now of MFK because the scope the scope of the work was increasing in Kenya uh, to the establishment of uh, Montessori for Kenya. And um, what I would say, you know, um, the inspiration in all these was, first of all, this new methodology that was being introduced, uh, that uh, within the community, first of all, uh, there was apprehension in terms of uh, the uptake, uh, new method of education, the government was promoting the competence-based curriculum. And uh, uh, when the community started embracing this, you could see a change immediately in terms of the children uh, when they came to the school, uh, the teachers themselves were recruited and were training uh, the children with the assistance of the mentor, uh, uh, mentor teachers. And later on, when you could see the change in the children affecting the parents within the community who had been affected by the violence, and then the way they excelled when they went to the primary school, neighboring primary school. So it was like uh, a methodology, you are part of this methodology that is bringing a greater change within the community. So it, 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 I was inspired by such, you know, a, a small undertaking, what we call ourselves, it's a small undertaking, yet it was influencing the life of many within the community, the children themselves uh, and, 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 uh, and the parents, yeah, who later on came to accept that this was really a good methodology for them. And they uh, later on, you know, aspired to bring their children to study within the Konovop school. So since then, you know, uh, I, I began so much involved in this uh, promotion of Montessori in Kenya, um, from Konovop to Kisima to Samburu to Pokot now, and many other initiatives that are coming up. So what do you see as the most essential part of your work, or like the work you did? I think what the, the, the most essential part of what I, and, and in my view, is that aspect of uh, giving an opportunity for for somebody to to uh, pursue the best education for me that is Montessori education and especially for the less privileged within the society 
you know, for a long period of time, Montessori education, when you go to many other places, you find people talking about Montessori education is for the rich, for the high class. But then we've been able to bring it down to the very less privileged and it has worked quite well. So I think that is the most essential part that you're, you're not uh, you, you're not taking it to those who already have, but you're demonstrating that even the less privileged in terms of the formerly dispersed children, the, the, the children of the Pokot community who are, who are pastoralists, yeah, and uh, the Samburu, uh, already accessing the same quality education that you'd find anywhere in the in any part of the world, I think that is the most uh, essential part of the kind of work I'm, uh, that I've been able to do. And then again, um, we've had circles of training, getting scholarships for teachers. So when you look at the community, having over, let's say, 100 uh, trained teachers at the moment, earning a livelihood, having been trained in the certificate, the diploma, others even at the moment are pursuing international diploma, uh, so and earning you know a livelihood out of it so there's that capacity development at the same time a life transformation in many um and uh, without forgetting i think the most important part again without forgetting the subjects of our work the children many children i think uh, uh, thousands at the moment have been able to get an opportunity to pursue uh, montessori education which 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 for me is a great transformation for these children. Yeah, very important work doing. Yeah, so the last question for this interview, yes. what are your dreams for the future? Um, now, but I know uh, my role has been the uh, CEO, but then uh, I'm shifting up the scale at least to be the chair of the organization because of my new responsibility. But then um, my dreams for the future, and this is something I've always dreamt, First of all is to see the growth of this new organization, Montessori for Kenya, uh, uh, to be a very valued organization that is able to service the Montessori needs, the many Montessori needs that are coming up within the country. Uh, and uh, I would say within the country and beyond, because already we're having collaborations with uh, Uganda, Tanzania, and different other parts we're engaging and wanting to know what we've been able to do out of this small example of Konovop. So if I'm able to see the growth of uh, the organization, uh, to be able to service the many needs, because at the moment there are quite a number of uh, schools that ask for well-trained teachers, uh, and uh, unfortunately they normally shift, they want the internationally trained very fast, but uh, uh, we have few of them who are pursuing that, uh, but then again uh, we cannot service the demand. And then um, I would like probably to see a situation where uh, we will have uh, Montessori education being embraced by many schools, um, um, so that you you can you can have these aspects uh, being uh, practiced in different parts of the country. When you look at the competence-based curriculum, it's largely largely borrowed from Montessori uh, sort of curriculum. So. Um, and it's being accepted. Even the CBC teachers, they've uh, occasionally asked the Montessori trained teachers to be able to assist them to understand the methodology. So if uh, there will be a situation where there are quite a number of these teachers in different parts of the country uh, being appreciated and uh, and also being valued and entered into the system because we've been pursuing the, the absorption into the Teacher Service Commission, uh, and because of the recognition of the curriculum, then that will be a big step. 
and then um, a personal dream because you know um, we need to have a model school so for a long period of time I've been thinking of how I'll be able to establish a fully fledged you know Montessori school from ECD level up to secondary level so that this and possibly you know we're having a dream of even a, a teacher training college but that can come later but if we can have a model school uh, uh, that will be able to showcase uh, real Montessori practice from ECD level up to the secondary education then that will be my great dream of the future. This podcast was brought to you by ESF and was produced by Joshua David Yardy. To find out more about ESF, please go to www.montessori-esf.org. Thank you for listening.